listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of thebarkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Arik, your host of the show, being dr- joined, as always, by Jackson Moore, the publisher of the Barkboard. And Jackson, what a turnaround. It looks like the Bulldogs kind of woke up this past game um, and uh, really outscored the opponent a lot more than people were thinking was going to happen. Is this a little bit of a surprise for you or or just looks like maybe the, the Bulldogs are starting to find their groove? Right. Well, I mean, a win was certainly expected, but to do it the way they did offensively, I I didn't see that coming. Um, You know, New Mexico was not a great football team, but they played really good defense this year. And, of course, the Bulldogs have been struggling a bit without some of their key players on offense. And, uh, man, and, you know, last week, the week before that, excuse me, we saw a lights-out performance by the defense, and that carried over again against New Mexico. Then we saw a lights out performance from the offense, and it came from the O line who's been struggling, and from Logan Fife who's you know had his growing pains, and the running game was there, and it just felt like everything was clicking. And we just haven't seen that from this team at all, not even against Cal Poly. So um, definitely expected a win, but to do it the way they did was uh, really impressive, and not what I anticipated at all. No, and it, and it seemed like uh, uh, Jalen Cropper Moreno uh, really broke out in this past game, uh, something that we haven't seen him do much of all season long. And, of course, you know, quarterback play has a lot to do with that, but it looked like Fife was able to get those those plays out to to Jalen uh, Cropper Moreno, and he was able to, to kind of break free in this game, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, the real big one was the deep ball, which is something that, like he hasn't been able to execute yet this season that Fife hasn't been able to execute either this season. Um, Fife really had completed no deep passes this season. And even before the injury, uh, Marino Cropper hadn't busted the big one yet that he was hoping to by moving from slot to outside. But this time around, they found each other. And um, not just that they were on on the same page and had chemistry, but uh, Fife delivered a, a really solid ball that was nice and catchable too, which had been a question mark going into that game. So that was just one of many catches from Moreno Cropper, but it was a, definitely a big one and uh, a really important one because the Bulldogs hope to have that in, as a, a big part of the offense. It's not only a dangerous play, but it opens up everything else when you could do that. Now, and what I took away from that uh, particular play um, Fife stood in the pocket and, and took a shot when he delivered that ball. So it, it it seems like maybe Fife is starting to get more comfortable back there. Uh, what do you think, Jackson? Yeah, and I think it kind of goes as the O-line goes. You know, the UConn, he didn't have much time at all at Boise State. Uh, there was a few plays where he had some time, but not a lot. And it grew a little bit more at San Jose, or against San Jose State when those scoring drives, he had uh, several plays where he had time, and in this game, it just felt like a ball game long. The pressure wasn't even an issue, and as well with the running game, uh, Jordan Mims and Malik Sherrod had all the room that they needed to run, and uh, when you both open up the pass by running the ball, and when you do pass, and you give your quarterbacks all the protection, 
uh, it's amazing how different things can look. And we only saw one bad play from Fife. Other than that, uh, he really took advantage of the situation. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, quite a turnaround for the Bulldogs uh, to uh, have an explosion offensively, something that we've been waiting for all season long. Uh, something that was expected to happen, uh, but injuries have really decimated the Bulldogs. But at this point, uh, it seems like some of the players are starting to come back. Some of the players are, are starting to to feel like they're getting into a groove. And coming at just the right time uh, when they return back home to, to play San Diego State, who is you know plays a similar type of a defense that uh, New Mexico plays, but they're a lot better at it, right, Jackson? <laughs> right, and they've got a lot better talent as well, uh, especially in the, the trenches and in the box in general. You know, it's an exotic three-three-five defense, and you know, when you have less guys at the line of scrimmage, they need to be really good to let the rest of the guys operate. So Bulldogs are definitely going to see some, some bigger, stronger, more talented linemen up front for the Aztecs, and they've got a few solid players elsewhere. You know, we've seen better and more talented San Diego State defenses in the past, but uh, relative to New Mexico, uh, it's going to be a step up for sure. Now, from what you gathered watching this game, uh, Fresno State uh, against uh, New Mexico, what, what's your biggest takeaway you got from this game, uh, you know, just from what you've been able to, to gather on this one? Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of both sides of the ball, just defensively knowing that what they did against San Jose State wasn't a fluke. I mean, they had just played so great against the Spartans, and you never know, you know if you just have that game one time after uh, five games before that were kind of average or below average at times when you know the defense gave up a couple of game-winning drives leading up to that game. Um, could they keep that going, or was it a one-time deal? And it feels like it wasn't just a matchup issue or that they took advantage of against San Jose State or you know, a spirited performance or anything. Uh, they carried it all over against New Mexico, even without some more players that were hurt. Um, it just feels like they figured things out, and you can feel really confident about that going forward. And then you've got on the other side just knowing what the offense is capable of, uh, potentially a whole lot more if a couple of guys come back this week. But um, that was just uh, the, really the biggest takeaway was the offense showed that, that it could reach its potential. And, I mean, that gives you a lot of confidence, too, going forward. Because if the Bulldogs can play that dangerous of an offense with that reliable of a defense for the next uh, five games, I mean, you should see them in the Mountain West Conference Championship game for sure. They can play like that on both sides of the ball. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, going to be uh, definitely something that – should give hope to the Bulldog faithful who are going to be attending this upcoming game because as of right now, Fresno State is in the driver's seat and first place in the West Division is up for grabs um, this coming weekend. So it's going to be it's going to be a great matchup. Uh, and it, historically, it's always been a very good matchup, whether it be a close game or the Bulldogs run away with it <laughs> so uh <laughs> we're hoping it's going to be the the latter one um <laughs> uh, even though you know i do like close games as long as we come away with the win right jackson that's just the way it is <laughs> 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 but uh this 
you know, New Mexico, it was, again, another game on the road for the Bulldogs. Uh, they've been on the road quite a bit. They um, So is that going to kind of have a little bit of an effect that they had to leave again? Uh, now, now that they're coming back home, they're going to have a couple of games in a row at least that they're going to play here at, at, at Bulldog or, or – excuse me, Valley Children's uh, Stadium. Um, is that going to be more to the Bulldogs' advantage now that they can kind of come home and settle in a little bit? Yeah, they're going to have back-to-back home games for the first time all year. They've been on the road four out of the first seven. So it's been, uh, and, and not just that, but some of the games they've had to travel to have been so far away. So UConn, of course, and Boise State in New Mexico or not like traveling to San Jose and San Diego State or anything like that. So that's big. It'll allow the team to settle in a little bit, especially against a San Diego State opponent. That's going to be, you know, got a lot of implications on the line. You always love to have that one at home. But, you know, they are going to have to be able to bring the energy, even if the crowds aren't quite as big. I'm, you know, I'm hearing that between – you look back at the last few games that the Bulldogs have had. They hosted Oregon State. You know that was sure to draw a big crowd. San Jose State had the Devonte Adams retirement, so that was pretty confident that that one was going to sell out or get close, and it did. Um, you know now you, the reality is the Bulldogs are three and four, and the tickets haven't moved as much as they have in the, the past few weeks for these upcoming games. So if the crowds are a little bit smaller, you know the Bulldogs can't have any sort of letdown and. Yeah, typically, we've seen in the past that as long as Valley Children's Stadium gets up to about 30,000, they can cross that mark. You usually have a pretty loud, engaged crowd, and it's still a nice home atmosphere. So, um, you know, hopefully the Bulldogs hit that mark and doesn't feel like it's a big drop-off or anything from the last couple of home games they've had. Absolutely. Uh, it's it's going to be... It's going to be a little different than what they've been able to see the last few games here at home um, because... Other than just coming out to watch football, there's no other extracurricular activity happening that will draw more fans to the stadium. Now, the only thing that they, that we can hope for is that uh, fans do realize what is at stake for the Bulldogs here at this point. Um, you know, first place in the West Division means that they still have everything in front of them uh, to win the Mountain West. So it's just going to be... Uh, it's going to be a wait and see just how many people show up and just how loud they're going to be. I mean, we, we saw even with a sparse crowd towards the end of the San Jose state game, uh, the crowd was still pretty loud, even though there was uh, the stadium was half empty. Right, Jackson. Yeah. I mean, that fourth quarter, the Bulldogs needed so many defensive stops and every third down was super loud, even though you, you looked around and thought, "Wow, <laughs> how are there this few many you know this many few people here left when the game is so close?" But um, you know, you understand it's late, and a lot of people were there for Devontae. But uh, the people that were there were very engaged and very loud. And yeah, I mean, um, you know, the uh, we've gotten used to seeing sold out crowds here. Now that the last uh, what two of the last four games at home or three of the last five, I believe going back to last season now have been sold out, but you do look at say 2017 and 18 when coach Tedford went 24 and six. And, you know, the only game they sold out during that stretch was the Derek Carr, uh, Jersey retirement game. Um, you know, they only crossed 35,000, I think once in those two seasons. And 
Uh, I sure don't remember Valley Children Stadium or then Bulldog Stadium not being a hostile environment. There was a lot of big games there. They knocked off Boise State. They knocked off San Diego State and big games at home over those two seasons. And um, so, yeah, it, it may not look as fun or as you know, big of a deal on paper when it's not 40,000, but that stadium can still get rocking for sure if they can't generate the interest to, to sell it out again. Absolutely. And that's what the, that's what we're just going to be hoping for that even uh, with a sparse crowd, it's still going to be loud for the Bulldogs uh, to keep them in this game uh, against a rival like San Diego state. Um, And uh, you know, both teams, let's just say neither team um, really has much love for each other. <laughs> so it's it's going to be one of those games where the oil can is going to be on the line uh, as a rivalry trophy. Um, and so it is definitely going to be one of those, you know, who won last year, Jackson? Because uh, right now it's escaping me. Did Sandy, was it Fresno or San Diego last year? Yeah, so last year, San Diego State was really rolling. They were ranked, and the Bulldogs went into Carson, California, uh, where they had the one season there, or two, at least the only time President State had to go there. And uh, Bulldogs took care of business, jumped out to a big old lead. Jordan Mims had a huge game, uh, often stalled a little bit in the second half, and the Aztecs started to storm back a little bit. But Bulldogs got out of there with a 30-20 victory. And, you know, that was... um, uh, one of many examples of how this series typically goes, we've got a story on the premium board kind of breaking down the common themes when the Bulldogs beat San Diego State and when they fall to San Diego State. And you just see so many common themes and certain stats. And it's just like if Fresno State does this, this, and that, they're going to win uh, against, because the Aztecs are always pretty much the same team. Uh, and if they fail to do this, this, or that, uh, then you could be in really big trouble. We've seen Bulldog teams that felt like they couldn't even get a first down at times against that Aztec defense on a couple of years when they, they played them. So um, try to kind of map out where this team stands compared to recent teams. And I'll tell you, if they played San Diego State about a month ago, it, I'd be real concerned. But after what the Bulldogs did the last two weeks, uh, they're starting to, to trend back towards the type of team that usually takes care of business against SDSU. Absolutely. So we're hoping that there's going to be more of the same uh, heading into this game. But, you know, there's a there's a new little factor, uh, a new little wrinkle being thrown into the mix of this game. Uh, I don't know if it's, you know, really big news, but, you know, Fresno State's going to be coming out with a with a brand new helmet that's uh, navy blue, uh, something the Bulldogs have never done as far as uh, in that color uh, for a helmet. So going to be a little bit different um you know we know it's navy blue but what's the rest of the uniform going to be are they going to be all all in complete blue jackson (laughs) yeah that's what i'm hearing and that'll be neat just because the bulldogs haven't worn any of the navy pieces of uniform this season i was trying to wonder if they were still there or if coach sedford just didn't want to use them but now it looks like they're going all navy for this one and man it, it looks pretty sharp they revealed the helmet um, if you go to barkboard.com, we've got a story. You see the picture right there, and the YouTube video is uh, embedded that President State put out too, uh, showing off the helmet. And it's sharp. Uh, I, I like that dark navy blue, um, the red outline with the white filled text of the, uh, the Curse of Bulldog script. Looks really sharp and pops right off of it. And 
you know, I was a, a little caught off guard just because they uh, teased some of it uh, during the week about uh, kind of Halloween weekend and <laughs> maybe wondering if maybe the Bulldogs were going to bring back a black one. That would have been pretty cool. But um, yeah, President, they kind of explained in the release that they have made an effort to, you know, have a consistent branding. And part of that is the school color of Navy, which we've never seen ever a Navy helmet. So now it's part of the regular rotation. It's not some special one-time deal, but it is the first time they've ever worn a Navy helmet. And it's the first time since 2014 when they busted out the Chrome helmet that Fresno State has had a new colored helmet. Um, the Chrome ones were in 14. They used white and um, the black ones in 2013. And the red and the whites have only been in rotation ever since uh, Tedford got here in 2017. So um, it'll definitely be a different look for the dogs. We've never seen this one. Yeah, and and I'm I'm beginning to sense that the 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 logo for the Bulldogs now is going to be the script uh, for as long as Tedford is here. Um, we're not probably not going to see the four paw uh, bulldog anytime soon, or even just the face of the bulldog uh, like the black helmets have. Um, it's they're like you said they're trying to stay consistent with branding and if that's the case then it's going to be the script uh on everything uh moving forward until well until at least as long as tedford is here because i I think he's kind of partial to that script right jackson oh yeah i mean that's what he wore that's what he's used to from the, the jim sweeney days of course um you know, it seems like the last few years since he's gotten here, uh, maybe two or three times, they'll put the four-paw bulldog on it, but we haven't seen it this year yet. And, um, you know, I thought maybe for the Halloween we'd see the dog ahead on there or something, something a little different. But uh, uh, this is definitely in line with what Fresno State's shooting for with their look. And um, we'll see how it turns out uh, with this dark blue uniform on a, a night game as well. These uniforms uh, look quite a bit different during the day and at night with Adidas. Uh, but, so it's going to be, it might just look almost black with the, the lights and, and everything with such a late kickoff. Well, and, and you never know. Maybe maybe uh, San Diego State's going to be so confused that they they think they're playing uh, Boise State there at, at one point. <laughs> so, you know, because it, Boise is notorious for coming out in all blue, especially on that blue turf. Uh, so maybe San Diego's going to be going, oh, wait a minute, where are we? Um, I, I don't recognize this team. I don't know. I, well, it, it's something food for thought there for uh, for Fresno State game uh, coming up this weekend. Uh, but you know, let's let's dive right into this one. Let's break down what this matchup is going to look like. Um, you know, of course, San Diego State's defense similar to what uh, New Mexico runs, uh, but like we mentioned earlier, San Diego State runs it a lot better because they pretty much this is the defense they've been running for years. Uh, and, uh, and also their personnel is, uh, you know, ahead above of what New Mexico has, uh, as far as talent is concerned. So Fresno state's offense against San Diego state's defense, Jackson, how do you break this one down? Yeah. So yeah, again, the Bulldogs are going to see that three, three, five scheme that Rocky long installed, uh, about a decade ago over there as the head coach. And, uh, or even before that, when he was a coordinator, um, but uh, it's going to be a very similar kind of starting point as, in terms of playing from New Mexico to San Diego State, but a lot of different nuances and a lot of different talent, of course. 
um, Coach Tedford described it as being from the being from the same family, and uh, Gabe got him to call him cousins. So they're, they're playing the cousins of the Lobos here with with this type of scheme. Um, it starts up front. Uh, the Aztecs have the Tavai brothers uh, on the defensive line, plus Garrett Fountain. Fountain is a six foot four, two hundred fifty pound junior from Turlock. Uh, and then you've got the Tavai brothers. One of them has already been causing a lot of uh, uh, chaos for oppo- opponents for, with what he does on the D-line. But uh, his brother also came in from Hawaii with all the uh, the stuff that was going on there over the off season. He got out of town from UH and joined his brother at San Diego State. Uh, Justice is 6'3", 290. Jonah is 6'2", 290. Um, so they've got a lot of size on the interior with those two. Um, you look around as well. They've got a lot of high-performing linebackers and, and high-performing safeties that rack up the tackles. Uh, Michael Shawcroft is kind of leading the way for them as a senior at 6'2", 220, a linebacker. Um, and then again, uh, kind of a variety of linebackers and safeties and nickelbacks that uh, are, are really aggressive and uh, will come down and, and make a lot of hits. So, um, and then as far as Fresno State's concerned, getting ready for that scheme, they've just got to know a little bit more about that pre-snap movement, about the different exotic looks they're going to get, and just kind of anticipate that San Diego State's going to be able to go a little bit deeper with this type of scheme than what they saw against New Mexico last week. Absolutely, and and the, what the San Diego is going to be able to do uh, a lot better than New Mexico did is going to be disguising those plays. Uh, they're notorious for loading the line and then not sending anybody, uh, right, Jackson? I mean this yeah. this could be this could be a little bit different for Fife uh, and a little bit more confusing because San Diego State is a master at uh, disguising what kind of a defense is coming at you. Yeah, and you know it's probably good news for Fife that he did see New Mexico last week. This is pretty convenient timing to get him back to back. You know, you never know as far as maybe who the Bulldogs might get back. You know, we've been out at practice and uh, they've been a little different this week. They, there's the you know the open opportunity for the media to see the practices and see what's going on has been closed this week. Um, Sometimes that does happen around this time of year because the Bulldogs are shortening practice and um, trying to keep the players fresh and healthy. And sometimes that means they don't go through some of the periods that we're normally allowed to watch before they get into their uh, game planning and insulation and all that. But um, you know, we haven't been able to go in there and see with our own eyes about whether Hayner has been practicing or not. So at least there's a little bit of hope compared to previous weeks where We've been right there on the field knowing that uh, it wasn't going to happen <laughs> that particular week with what, what he's been going and what we saw. So, uh, I mean, a couple others as well, Josh Kelly and, and Evan on the defensive side, Evan Williams, you know, no complete confirmation that those guys are out, but no confirmation either that maybe they'll come back. So at least a little bit of hope this week. And, um, you know, we've been able to, scour for injuries and get a lot of scoop on the, the premium board for a lot of different players that are coming back are still going to be out. But uh, some of those guys have been able to keep a little bit under wraps compared to usual. And so whether it is five for Hayner, uh, perhaps um, it's still going to be a, a pretty good challenge for this offense. 
So you're you're telling me that there's a possibility we may have a Hainer sighting in this game. <laughs> it's well, it's more possible than it's been for sure the last few weeks. Um, you yeah, know, been, I don't know. It's been week to week, week to week, and then oh, it's worse than than previously thought, and, and then now it's oh, he may play. <laughs> Is it a little yeah. bit of game, gamesmanship <laughs> happening there, Jackson? It could be. I, I know on Monday, Coach Stedford kind of shut it down, but. When you close practices and you're not allowed to see what's going on, and you know you kind of get a little suspicious, what's going on? <laughs> Some people have made that connection, and I can say from being at practice that I, I can't confirm any suspicions. But I, I also, you know, when we go out to do our interviews, and Jake Hainer is nowhere to be seen at all. Um, <laughs> you know, is it because he's getting treatment, or is it so bad he's not there, or? Yeah, are they keeping something a little secret? <laughs> I don't know which direction it could be, but it at least gives you some intrigue when you go to Valley Children's Stadium uh, on Saturday. That you know, maybe you get there for warm ups and, and take a peek around, see if that number nine is, is suited up when when you get there. Because maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't. But um, maybe they suit him up and he doesn't even play. <laughs> We've seen that gamesmanship as, as well from teams with injured starting quarterbacks. Sometimes they, they kind of bluff and make it look like they're going to play and they're not quite ready to go, but they go through warm up. So a lot of different scenarios in play, but it, it certainly feels like uh, it's different this week compared to the last five. Or, you know, what, what about sending him out for warm ups in a completely different number? <laughs> you, know, you, you never know jackson because officially the you know as long as he's wearing the correct number by kickoff that's all that matters right <laughs> so i don't know a little, a little bit of gamesmanship maybe they'll they'll play uh, a little bit into the the hollywood uh, not the hollywood the, the halloween theme of uh playing costumes here and uh changing numbers for them. uh but you know that's that's where we stand with the offense. If Hayner is there, we all know that this offense looks and feels different. Uh, whether or not he is going to play completely through this game is yet to be seen if he's going to play at all. Uh, because, you know, the, the worst thing they can do is rush him back, especially at this point in the season where if he comes back too early, gets hurt, he's done for the rest of the season. Um, and that's that's a gamble that they're going to have to take, right, Jackson? Yeah, I mean, uh, eventually, if, if he's cleared to go, you know, you imagine it's not going to quite be 100%. Um, you might probably have a little more confidence in the O-line. I mean, they played so well against New Mexico, and uh, regardless of opponent, we just haven't seen the O-line play like that, so that was a big deal, but you know, if Hainer wants to come back, it, I assume he's going to have to push it a little bit, uh, whether it's this week or next week or sometime before the season finale, hopefully. Um, yeah, uh, you've got a little bit of concern about his mobility, seeing that it's an ankle-foot issue. And before this past week, you'd be really concerned about his protection. But um feel a little more confident with, with what happened over the weekend exactly so uh we'll we'll see well you know we'll we'll know by by the time we uh see the players come out on the field <laughs> that's the best we can do for you uh but you know flipping the the coin here you know you've got uh fresno state's defense who has been on fire the last couple of games taking on uh a san diego state offense who is notoriously 
Um, well, let's just say vanilla, right, Jackson? <laughs> they usually don't have too many wrinkles, do they? Right, yeah, it's a lot of smash mouth running. Um, usually, they're not having a capable passer in there. I mean, this season, they've thrown 164 times. They've run 262 times as an example of what they're doing on offense so far this year. Um, they typically don't score a lot. Uh, in their wins this season against FBS teams, they beat Toledo 17-14, they beat Hawaii 16-14, and uh, they won last week in Nevada 23-7 to with seven other points coming from a defensive score um, with one offensive touchdown and, and three field goals. So not a lot of firepower there. We did see them make a change, though, midseason. They got rid of their offensive coordinator, and uh, after trying three or four different quarterbacks, they went to the defensive side of the ball and, and grabbed a safety to try to play some quarterback. <laughs> uh, now, Jalen Maiden was a, a recognized high school recruit for quarterback. He got recruited to the SEC, even at Mississippi State. Never really played much there, but he does have a quarterback background before he came to the Aztecs. He did play a, pretty much the whole Toledo game at safety before they brought him back to quarterback, though. and. Uh, man, if he didn't go out against Hawaii and throw for 322 yards in his first game at quarterback, is the first legit real time there at quarterback since he's got to college. He's a, a junior right now. Uh, and San Diego State hadn't thrown for 320 plus yards since like 2008. Um, so you thought, oh, maybe they, they found something here between the quarterback and the coordinator, but. It was a lot of the same old, same old last weekend. He only completed 12 of 25 for 156 yards, no touchdowns. Um, but you do have to keep an eye out for his legs. He ran seven times for 50 yards last week, had a 32-yard run, scored on the ground as well. So uh, that's a bit different potentially than what we're used to seeing from San Diego State. But uh, he also only has two games under his belt. So definitely no advantage for... He has next a quarterback, whether it's Fife or whether it's Hainer for Fresno State. Um, they they took some shots on the O line for sure at San Diego State over the off season. Um, you know, one of their big ones transferred to Arizona State. You know, they had a couple other losses but between the portal and, and graduations. This San Diego State O line is not nearly as, as strong as we're probably used to seeing from them, but they still got a lot of familiar names at the skills positions. Uh, Jordan Bird at running back is a real shifty guy and can make some plays. He's been known for his returns as well. Um, you look at the receiving game, and while they don't get a lot of opportunities, uh, Jesse Matthews is a big-time playmaker with the ball in the air, uh, jump ball type of receiver in the end zone. And Tyrell Shavers as well as uh, known for making some big plays too. Um, so those two guys are, are going to give – the Bulldogs some fits, even if they, they don't see a lot of opportunities come their way. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much what the Bulldogs will be dealing with there. Um, you figure the way Fresno State's been playing, it, it should match up pretty well, especially if they can make San Diego State one-dimensional. That's really what we saw in New Mexico. Um, the Lobos partic- uh, primarily ran the ball and when they were forced to pass, and it was real obvious and it didn't work out too well for the Lobos, so I, I would expect a similar type of game plan for the dogs going into this one. 
Yeah, this is a this should be a, a fun one, especially if we have uh, Hayner back in uh, in position there to 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 open up the the playbook a little bit more. But on defense, as long as the Bulldogs can account uh, and shut down the run and account for the mobile uh, quarterback, uh, their pass defense has been pretty solid the last couple of games. Uh, so if as long as they get more of that. Um, they should really be able to shut down a lot of the San Diego State offense uh, and and really keep themselves in this game. Now, I hope I just didn't just jinx that, Jackson. Um, <laughs> I, I'm always worried when I say something like that because <laughs> then they go out and do the exact opposite. So um, that's just something I'm kind of concerned about. I mean, what's your thoughts, Jackson? As long as they do the that, they should be fine, right? Yeah, you know, one just one concern is, um, you know, the last couple of weeks, the Bulldogs have faced more shotgun teams. Even New Mexico, who runs the ball so heavily, is, is a lot of times out of shotgun. They're running triple option. They're doing some exotic things with the offensive side of the ball. And um, this is the first time the Bulldogs have really faced a smash mouth running attack since Boise State. And we saw the Bulldogs just couldn't hang. They, they ran out of gas in the second half. And the Broncos just ran all over the dogs. I think Fresno State has fixed some of the things since then. Uh, I think they're um, just not being an elevation that is going to help. And really, uh, Boise State's O-line is, is vastly superior to that of San Diego State. So I, I don't see the same type of overwhelming performance, even if that's, for whatever reason, a big weakness for the dogs. That just hasn't been exploited by the last two opponents. But um you can probably expect San Diego State to have a couple of drives where they're going to move the ball and eat the clock. And again, with their skills guys, you know, they're not going to terrorize you all game long. But um, Matthews, for example, is a guy, if they can get inside the 15, um, he might rise up and make that big catch in the end zone. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, the Aztecs are on the board. So I don't see them controlling the game for 60 minutes, but. Uh, they're going to have their opportunities, and, and I expect them to cash in on a couple drives. And uh, the Bulldogs are going to need to just do their their work offensively, so that it, it doesn't matter. If, if this is a close game, if it's in the teens or the early twenties, uh, you know it, it could go either way with the type of weapons that San Diego State has. But if the Bulldogs jump out to a big lead, like they did against them last year, or they did against New Mexico, uh, they shouldn't have to worry too much about how this one turns out. Yeah, so we'll, you know, hopefully I didn't jinx them, but (laughs) let's see. Uh, Hopefully the Bulldogs are able to continue to do more of what uh, they've been able to do the last couple of games uh, and really shut down uh, opposing offenses. And and especially here at Valley Children's Stadium um, where, you know, you're going to have the crowd on your side. So hopefully that helps give them a little bit of momentum uh, in this huge rivalry game and uh, and and get things rolling early, uh, shutting down uh, San Diego State. Maybe the Bulldogs can jump out to an early lead, and that might help them uh, get settled in and comfortable during this game. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see exactly what's going to happen uh, moving forward uh, as we get closer, and maybe we get some, uh, you know, a little bit of extra information as things progress. And if we do, by all means, head over to thebarkboard.com to the premium 
uh, boards where Jackson would probably be posting anything new information he may be getting that would not otherwise be uh, available to the public. Right, Jackson? Yeah, yeah, we probably won't hear anything major on some of the big players until kickoff, but we do have a very comprehensive report on the injuries this week. Even though practice was closed, we were able to confirm most of the players. Um, you know, you're talking about 10 to 15 guys that are on the injury report, and Bowler's getting a few back. There's a couple of new injuries, and we've been tracking that real close this week as well as our other premium content and coverage of, of what's coming up for the Bulldogs. Yeah, so uh, like, like we've been saying for weeks now, if you want to look smarter than, than your average friend there and you really want to impress them with some of the information you have, there's no better way than being a part of our premium board. <laughs> you can really show your stuff when you when you're like, well, well, according to me, you know this, I know what's going on here. <laughs> so that's the best route to go. Um, and you know, if you have the opportunity, by all means, do that. There's a lot of extra perks uh, in uh, you know uh, as part of the deal. And, uh, we've mentioned that, you know, you can, you can have part of uh, paramount plus if, if you're interested in that is part of the package and there's always discounts happening right now at the bark board. So, um, check in. And if you have any questions, you can always reach out to Jackson and he can tell you the best course of action in order to get what it is that you're looking for as part of your features. So right, Jackson, there's, there's kind of a, a little bit of tricks that you can do to get certain things. Sure. Uh, right now we're offering, if you want to kind of try it out, it's just a dollar for your first month. Uh, if you want to sign up for a year, you can get 30% off and uh, that gives you a pretty good discount as well um, for the, the next 12 months if you want to go that way. Um, and, and yeah, we're covering uh, a whole lot. With all the recruiting will be, um, especially with these next two home games, we get the scoop on which recruits are in town and uh, see how their experience went, and that's going to pick up here as well. As the Bulldogs hit this kind of final stretch of the regular season, uh, got our behind-the-scenes reporting on game day and from practices, and a whole lot of other content as well. Absolutely. So go and check that out when you get a chance. So uh, moving forward, Jackson. Before we jump into the coverage of Mountain West coverage, um, let's let's talk a little bit basketball. I'm pretty sure you have a little bit of news of what's going on for uh, the Fresno State basketball teams. Yeah, the Bulldogs are going to be in the Save Mart Center on Saturday morning. So if you have some time before you tailgate, uh, you can get into the Save Mart Center uh, by 11. We're going to have free donuts and free coffee. And uh, you get to watch an open Bulldog basketball practice. So we'll be out there. We'll get a, a better look at what to expect for this season. Uh, Bulldogs were recently picked seventh in the Mountain West, and Joseph Hunter was Mountain West Freshman of the Year selected for the conference. So, and that's exciting to see the, the local from San Joaquin Memorial see uh, what he can do for the dogs this year. And um, I, I think there's certainly lots of upside for them to surpass seventh place. But can they get into top four, top three territory and? make some noise in the postseason there. That's what we got to find out here over the next couple of weeks. And uh, the schedule's out now. It took them a little while, but uh, everything's uh, coming close. And exhibition time is just a week away. On Wednesday the 2nd, Bulldogs will host Stanislaus State for an exhibition. And then the first game that counts for real is going to be November 7th when 
the women and the men will have a double header, uh, women at 4.30, men at 7 against Fresno Pacific, again on Monday, November 7th, and that game does count for the men's team, even though FPU is uh, Division Two. So uh, we're almost there, and uh, November is always a bit of a crazy month with football and, and basketball going at the same time. So even more reason to head over to markboard.com and, and get all your scoop and your coverage there. Yeah, and uh, if if the if you know if you guys out there want to see Jackson get grayer hair, uh, now's the time of the of the year to watch that because he he tends to get a little he feels a little older at this time of the year. <laughs> so uh, hopefully we we can keep him nice and fresh for the our reports uh, for the upcoming for the upcoming basketball season. So you know stay tuned as he starts to get more information for basketball and we start to kind of switch gears later on in the season but for now it's uh majority of our coverage is Fresno State football uh at the moment but uh, eventually we do shift gears into basketball later on now Jackson heading into what is happening at the Mountain West Conference things have kind of well things are starting to look a little clearer now Finally, right? Um, you know, in the Mountain uh, Conference, so no surprise, Boise State is in the lead there at in the first place with a four and O conference record. Although that should be tested this week because they're going to be facing against Colorado State, and there's a lot on the line in this game, right, Jackson? I, I mean, the winner of this one could have the driver's seat in the um, the Mountain Division. Yeah, it's hard to believe Colorado State's two and one, and on paper that is certainly the case. But uh, you know they've looked a lot better recently. I mean, they beat Hawaii and Nevada, which were uh, you know not huge wins by any means, but they did play Utah State pretty close, which was a little bit of a surprise. But uh, still, even though on paper this game looks like it has a lot of implications, the Broncos are favored by almost four touchdowns here. So I, I think Boise State. Not going to have any issue there. Uh, they come off a big win against Air Force, which kind of seemed like their last big hurdle for a little while. Um, but we could see in November, um, the week before Fresno State hosts Wyoming, uh, Boise State and Wyoming could basically be playing for the Mountain Division on the November 19th when they face in Laramie uh, if the Cowboys keep rolling with one loss in conference play. Um, so that, that can make things really interesting in the, the last couple of weeks between the Broncos and the Cowboys there. Yeah, you, you kind of burst my bubble. I was selling this game like, like a real good one. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you tell me they're favored by four touchdowns. <laughs> Way to deflate that game. No, uh, it, 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 even though they're they're favored by four touchdowns, there's a lot on the line for Colorado State. You know, whether or not they're going to throw the kitchen sink at Boise State is yet to be seen, but chances are they're, they're going to throw everything they have at Boise in order to try and come away with with a win on this one. Uh, even though they're down by, <laughs> they're fav- favored to lose by four touchdowns, um, Colorado State, you know, <laughs> they have at this point nothing to lose, right, Jackson? <laughs> they're going to go after Boise. Uh, they have no other choice at this point. Yeah, I don't see it working out too well for them. But they <laughs> they certainly look, they, they look a little better than when they lost Sacramento State by 31 points. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, either way, there's a lot on the line, but chances are Boise <laughs> might come away with this one. Um, but the next matchup on the schedule, uh, Wyoming takes on Hawaii on the island. Uh, Hawaii is one in tune, uh, you know, heading up the bottom of the division in the West division. And Wyoming, uh, of course, is in second place right behind Boise State. So this one is very important for Wyoming right now just to keep pace with Boise. Yeah, and Wyoming, they come off of a pretty good win against Utah State. They won 28-14. I'm still not sure if I'm completely sold on the Cowboys. (laughs) Uh, The the Air Force game, they really were able to take advantage of with the, the situation going on with the Falcons there. but. Um, the rest of the games have kind of gone the way you'd probably expect. They're kind of right in the middle. They're five and three overall. Um, they are three and one in conference play, and uh, the next two weeks are very favorable for them. They go. Uh, they do have to go on the road. They go. They're at Hawaii this weekend, of course, and then they go to Colorado State. And if they win those two games, um, then they get the Boise State one, and, and both teams would. Uh, you know that game would basically decide the Mountain Division, perhaps. Uh, Wyoming still has one loss, and the Broncos are undefeated or, or have one loss themselves going into that game, which it, it looks like they're trending that way. But uh, we'll see if the Cowboys get tripped up. Hawaii's playing a lot better football. Uh, they probably should have won at Colorado State last week. They should have won at San Diego State a couple weekends ago, and they did beat Nevada. So between a little bit of momentum and home field advantage, uh, it makes this game one to, to keep an eye on, see what happens there. Yeah, especially with the UH coming to town next week too. Yeah, absolutely. This one is going to be. Uh, this one is a lot on the line for Wyoming. They're they're at this point they're trying to set up a key matchup against Boise State later on in the season, and if they can keep rolling, and and if Boise uh, somehow does not get tripped up heading into that game, that's going to be a huge game. Uh, for the Mountain West Conference. Uh, so keep an eye on Wyoming. That's for sure. Even though Jackson's not sold on them, <laughs> you never know with the Cowboys there. Um, and then finally, the last game on the Mountain West schedule for this week. It's a, it's a very short schedule this week is Nevada takes on San Jose State. Now, Nevada is still winless in conference play at 0-4 with a 2-6 overall record, taking on San Jose State, who are 2-1 in the conference, and 4-2 overall. As of right now, San Jose State, is San Jose State, San Diego State, and Fresno State are all tied for first place in the West Division. This one could easily be shaken up. You know, Fresno takes care of business against San Diego State, then they're in sole possession of first place because of the head-to-head with San Jose State, even if San Jose State were to win. But do you see San Jose State uh, getting tripped up by Nevada? Is Nevada improving at all at this point? You know, not a lot of faith in Nevada, but when you look at this series history, I don't know if it's one that people realize, but having covered San Jose State, this is like, the team that seems to always get the best of the Spartans. Um, you know, even when San Jose State's playing well and Nevada necessarily isn't, uh, they seem to get tripped up. And when those Spartans do win, it seems to be pretty close. They've only beaten Nevada three times since 2001 and by scores of 10, 4, and 3. So this is one of those series for when you're a San Jose State perspective, uh, you kind of throw out the records and. Uh, it's especially um, 
going to be tough for San Jose State this week. I know when we recorded our um, podcast last week, uh, the tragedy had not yet struck for the Spartans, and they ultimately didn't end up playing New Mexico State last week after freshman running back uh, Camden McWright was tragically killed in an auto accident. He was riding an electric scooter and was hit by a school bus. And uh, right just a few hours before San Jose State was planning to, to get on a, an airplane and go play a game, they called it all off. And you know, I can tell you uh, on Tuesday they had a press conference with Coach Brent Brennan and McWright's parents as well. And it was uh, it was tough to watch. There was a lot of tears there. And you can just see this, the San Jose State team is still having a, a really tough time. So you know, they're favored by 24 points in this game, but it's going to take uh, a whole lot emotionally for them to get up for this game and to you know, try to even carry on with this season at all after going through something like that. Yeah, it's uh, it was really uh, big news that that happened there. Um, it really did affect what San Jose State, uh, San Jose State's mindset to try and go into that game. Uh, now, uh, they had they they called that game off, but from what I hear, Jackson, they are still intending on playing that game, right? At some point. Yeah, it was been not canceled but postponed, and logistically, I think it's going to be challenging um i think the most obvious way to get it done is if san jose state does not make the mountain west championship game uh, they can go make that trip to new mexico state on championship weekend and, and play that game instead um if san jose state does end up winning the west division uh, they're gonna have to get creative to try to make that game happen uh, it would probably have to squeeze in between conference championship time and, and bowl season which it's a pretty small window. You're dealing with recruiting, and it would be pretty unconventional. So uh, we'll, we'll see which way it goes. Yeah, and and that's a I believe that's a non-conference game. So chances are that could win that game could still be canceled outright uh, if they can't make it work logistically. So it is uh, you know sad news there uh, for San Jose State who are are going to be reeling uh, heading into this. This game, this uh, this weekend, uh, the the one thing going in their favor is they'll be at home uh, with all of uh, in the fans and family and things. So it'll help uh, soften the blow, so to speak, uh, this upcoming weekend uh, for the Spartans. Um, all right, let's take a look, a quick quick sneak peek at what's to come next week. Jackson, I, I see a Boise State BYU game looming here uh, next week. That that one should be interesting, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean it'll be nice to see the Broncos get tested. They haven't really been tested too much in conference play. Uh, they had to rid it out a little bit against Air Force, but um, you know BYU has been ranked at times this year. But also the Cougars are on a bit of a losing streak. They've lost three in a row and. East Carolina is not going to be anything easy this week for them either. So uh, a little more talent probably on that team than most Mountain West schools, but not uh, a lot of momentum going on for them right now. Yeah, and and uh, the other game that I see if, if for fans, if they're if they're fans of the the armed forces meeting up against each other, Air Force takes on Army. Um, I don't know how much of a, a matchup that's going to be, but again, it's one of those 
fan favorites of, uh, you know, let's see what happens between different armed forces, which usually you can throw out the uh, the records out the window because those teams just love going at it because, let, let's face it, they all want to prove they're the best uh, armed forces of the of the U.S., right, Jackson? Yeah, and their forces already got Navy, so they'll be <laughs> looking for that Commanders-in-Chief trophy on uh, the uh, 5th there of November. So it's going to be, you know, if you like you like those kind of matchups, that's definitely next week. And then, uh, yeah, all I can see moving forward, there's a lot of a lot of games still to be played that could decide a whole lot here. Uh, a lot of them mean things. A lot of them mean nothing. <laughs> so uh, we'll we'll see how the the season progresses because right now every single game matters. Every single win counts. Uh, for Fresno State, they just need to take care of business this weekend. As long as they win, they'll be in sole possession of first place in the West Division, uh, regardless of anything else that happens uh, in the West Division. So it, let's see. Uh, we just need the Bulldogs to come out and take care of business, right, Jackson? Yeah, and Fresno State is the only team really in that position. I mean, even San Diego State, they beat the Bulldogs. They, they got to get through San Jose State still. Um, the Spartans, of course, are going to have to wait for try to see if the Bulldogs lose the game. And UNLV still hanging around with two losses. Um, they're going to play San Diego State next week too, so someone's going to pick up another L. Um, but the, the, you certainly don't want the the other end of the deal for Fresno State. If you lose to San Diego State, you need some things to go your way. You need the Aztecs and the Spartans to lose to get into a tie or a second time to leapfrog them. So. Uh, it makes things a whole lot easier for the Bulldogs if they can get this win on Saturday. Absolutely, and if they can, if they can somehow uh, pull, you know, keep a winning streak going, they could ultimately find themselves in the uh, Mountain West title game. Uh, which, if it were to end today, would be against Boise State. <laughs> so. Uh, if you don't want to see Boise State, the only thing you can do is hope that they keep tripping up uh, here in the next few weeks. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, but Fresno State completely in the driver's seat at this point. Uh, as long as they take care of business uh, this weekend, uh, they should have an easier road to get to that point uh, as their schedule seems to get a little easier moving forward. So that being said, Jackson, any final thoughts before we wrap this one up? It's getting ready for a big game here. Um, the the records aren't what we expected, but yet again, uh, this matchup feels like it's the one that's going to determine the West Division. So uh, I'm looking for the running game to dictate who wins between the two. Whoever establishes that run usually wins this one, and uh, Bulldogs are feeling pretty good coming off to Mexico. So just stay tuned to blackboard.com for coverage of uh, all the stuff going on at practice this week. And, all of our previews for the game and all the scoop that we're going to have uh, as soon as we get into Valley Children's Stadium on Saturday. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, and, and keep an eye out because it's going to be really close to Halloween. So there's going to be a lot of people out there, uh, probably in some interesting costumes, right, Jackson? We've seen, <laughs> we've seen some good ones over the years. So uh, keep your eyes peeled because more than likely there's going to be some, some interesting folks in the stands. Uh, and uh, let's hope that they, the Bulldogs are able to, to pull off a few tricks 
to give the fans some treats. Yes, I did it, Jackson. I, I, I worked it in. Um, but uh, that being said, if you're looking for Jackson, you can find him on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at RedWaveReport. Uh, if you haven't done so already, head over to our Facebook page. Give it a like. We've got quite a few people there. Um, the community is growing there. And also the BarkBoard.com where we have both free and premium uh, subscriptions. So make sure you're a part of that conversation as well. I want to thank everyone for joining us and join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.